Well, we've had a tremendous week, haven't we? I tell you, I'm still uh, uh, recovering from last week's worship celebration with the choir and the orchestra, and we have so much to be thankful for this time of year. Let me get this over here, still prove i got a couple muscles left. There we go. Uh, And as you remember, as we celebrated in our Christmas celebration, we saw that God came to be with us, Emmanuel, and we saw that he chose to come in the form of a baby and to make his first bed a feeding bowl of animals. And I want us to continue this morning in this train of thought of God who loves us so much, he chose to come be among us, even to the place, humbling himself to have his first bed as a feeding bowl of animals. You've heard this name before, I'm sure. Sometimes it's spelled with an I, sometimes it's spelled with an E, but either way it means the same thing. Emmanuel, God with us. It's the major message, the theme of Christmas. It's not Santa, it's not Frosty, it's not Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Easy for me to say. It's not buying Christmas gifts, it's not... Just gathering with family, the theme, the heart, the message of Christmas is Emmanuel. God who came down to our level and raised us to his level to have relationship with him. And he did this 2,000 years ago in the person of Jesus. So don't miss the divine appointment that God has set out for you today, this Christmas. To miss him is to miss Christmas entirely. I want you to think with me to a story that may not be very familiar to you. It's King Ahaz. He also missed a divine appointment. The king of Judah forgot God was with him. So he chose his own path, and in doing so, he himself and his people were shorted the blessings that God had, all because of his fear and his pride. This true story comes from the pen of a great prophet, Isaiah, In chapter 7. As you take your Bible, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 7. We'll be in verse 1 through 14. As you're turning there, let me set the scene for you of what we're about to see. Isaiah is dressing a nation like ours that is deeply divided. Israel, the northern kingdom, here referred to as Ephraim, has joined ranks with Syria, here referred to as Aram. And is making plans to lay siege upon Judah, the southern kingdom, which Ahaz is king over. God intervenes through his prophet Isaiah and speaks words of assurance and victory to Ahaz. They should have brought great comfort, confidence, and joy to the king, but they did not. He missed it. He did not receive it. Ahaz allowed the pressures and difficulties of his circumstances and situation to cause him to miss a divine appointment with Emmanuel. He missed it. But friends, we don't have to miss an appointment that God has set up with us. I think we're in danger of missing this. One, because we get so busy this time of year. Two, many, many here are very, very familiar with the Christmas story. And, and sometimes we're tempted to say, oh, I know this. But at this Christmas, it's not about knowing here, it's about knowing here Emmanuel, experiencing again God with us. But when we get distracted, we could miss it. I don't know if you ever have times when you get distracted and and you begin to agree to things that you never would have agreed to. You begin to miss what's going on around you. I think my daughter, Kaden, has picked up on this, and uh, she has found the prime opportunity to ask me things when we're getting ready in the morning. And I'll never forget, a number of months ago, 
Uh, I was in the shower and Caden had kind of picked up on this pattern of maybe getting some things she wouldn't typically if she asked me when I'm distracted. And I was in the shower and she came to me and she said, hey, dad. And she asked me something and I said, sure. And I didn't know really what I agreed to. I went downstairs and I saw the cereal bowl was full of ice cream. Caden was eating ice cream for breakfast that morning. I said, what are you doing? She said, I asked you and you said yes. When you're distracted, you agree to things that you never would have agreed to. You find yourself in situations where you begin to become complacent and and you begin to go along with the culture and you go along with just the rhythm of life. And it's easy for all of us at this Christmas to just go through the motions and miss, because we're distracted, the true message, the gift that God wants to give us again. The good news this Christmas is that God comes to all of us, Emmanuel. He comes to you personally, specifically, especially to those who are experiencing life's pressures and troubles. He comes to meet you right at the point of your need. He is calling out to you today, calling you to himself. And if you heed his call, if you respond to his call, he will give you peace of mind, not just this Christmas, but all throughout the year. And as we look at Emmanuel, God with us, it changes some things for us. And and because God is with me, because God is with you, we can have confidence that I need not fear. That's the first thought I want you to catch. I don't need to fear because God is with me. Notice the words of the king through the prophet Isaiah in chapter 7, verse 4. As I read a paraphrase, it will help us in conversational tone to, to get what's happening in the crux of this text. Listen. Calm down, don't be afraid, and do not panic over these two burnt-out cases. Rezin of Aram and the son of Remuliah, they talk big, but there is nothing to them. Listen, calm down, don't fret about it. They talk big, they have big talk, but nothing will come of it. Do not be afraid. Without doubt, the most frequent command in the Bible is do not fear. While Jesus walked among us, he was constantly trying to tell us, don't be afraid. Why? Because Christ knew the crippling, paralyzing effect that fear can have on our life. I want to walk through a a few of the things that fear can do to us. Fear can block God's resources. Fear shuts off the line between you and the God who is head over heels in love with you. Fear can steal away genuine joy it produces anxiety and worry which in turn preoccupy our thoughts sucking every joy from each ounce of life that you muster fear robs me of peace fear causes my insides to churn to burn to create a needless turmoil one author had guesstimated about the things we worry about and fret about let me share his words with you He said 60% of our fears are totally unwarranted. 20% are already in the past. What's the point of worrying about it? 10% are so petty they make no difference at all. And the remaining 10%, 5 of that percent are not even justified. So just remove 95% of all your fear and worry and and you don't have to think about it. Well, it's easy for some author to kind of hypothesize about this, but when you're faced with the situation that's in front of you, when you have that challenge, it's not so easy to do as it is just to think about this. But nonetheless, fear has a crippling impact on us. 
Fear causes me to mistrust God. It causes me to mistrust people around me. The fear of rejection causes you to hold to arm's length the people around you and keep them at a distance and the very people that God may want to get close to you to help you in this time of trouble. Fear causes you to keep them away. Fear clouds good judgment. The temptation to react out of emotion rather than a thoughtful response is greatly exaggerated and increased in the grip of fear. Finally, fear fuels. It's like gasoline on the fire for my insecurities. Fear and failure breed self-doubt, uncertainty. But in the face of your fear today, Emmanuel, God who is with you, declares, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Ahaz heard a clear, straightforward message from God addressing this jam that he found himself in. All the nations around him were plotting against him. Even his fellow Jews, the north of him, had given in to the pressure and they have joined the enemies. Everyone was coming around him, but God met him in his time of need. God gave him a clear, assuring command. Stay calm. Do not be afraid. Don't lose heart. Your enemy will not succeed. It will not take place. It will not happen. Nothing could have been more clear to Ahaz. It was a direct personal message from God, but Ahaz did not get it. Because he focused on the enemy, not on God's promise. This is how fear works for you and I. The more you fret, the more you worry, you stew over some things that you can't even control. The more you fear these things, it begins to take hold of your life. The more distant you become from God. A second truth we can hang on to, because God is with us, I can stand firm and so can you. Look at verse 9 of chapter 7 of Isaiah If you don't take your stand in faith, you won't have a leg to stand on. Or as the NIV says, you won't have any stance at all. If you don't stand in faith, there's no solid ground for you. God cut Ahaz's enemies down to size. He's saying to the king, don't worry about the enemy. It's real. It's there. I know it's there, but don't worry about it. Don't fear your situation. The only thing that you should be concerned about is standing firm And your faith in me. The heart, the answer to this whole dilemma is right here in this passage. The antidote to our fear is faith in God. When I trust in him, when I put my faith in him, it displaces the fear in my life. Fear and faith are incompatible. It's like oil and water. They don't mix. The more faith you have, it melts away the fear around you. We've already observed some of the impacts that fear can have on us let's contrast those with the results of faith faith releases god's resources god operates on the realm of faith our trusting in him and whenever you take the attitude of full trust in him it opens the door for god to bring his blessing on you and to work in your life faith not only opens up the door for resources it produces genuine joy Now notice I said it's genuine joy. There's lots of things that you can acquire or participate in that may bring happiness for a moment. But this joy that faith gives, it goes beyond all circumstances. It goes beyond everything that you're facing. And it gives a root of joy in your heart. 
faith instills peace. If fear steals your peace, faith restores, rekindles the assurance that deep settledness in your heart, even in the midst of great trial. Faith also teaches us to trust. Now, fearful people don't trust God and therefore find it difficult to trust others. Fearful people need to be in control. They want to control situations or they want to control people. But the more you learn to trust God, the more faith you have in God, the more you realize, I don't have to control the situation. I don't have to control that person. I can rest in Him. Faith also clarifies Good judgment. The writer of Proverbs had it right when he said in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust or have faith in all of your ways. Depend on Him in every way. Don't lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. Faith builds confidence. You may have heard of the Peter Principle, which is the leadership principle that says a person is elevated to the level of their incompetence. Have you ever wondered how somebody got that job or somebody was in that position? It just seems that they rise to the level of when they are no longer effective anymore. That's what the Peter Principle tells us. You rise to the level of your incompetence. This is a very discouraging thought. This is depressing. But we can have hope. When we look at how Lloyd Ogilvy changed this Peter principle with just one word, he inserted a different word and said a person is elevated to the level of their inadequacy. Now I can have hope. Because when I begin to see when I am inadequate, when I am not enough, that's when God steps in and he is more than enough. Look to the person next to you and say, you are inadequate. Tell them. Now this is a great opportunity. Some of you have been waiting to say this for a long time. And you missed it. Every person you lock eyes with today, they are inadequate. Especially this one. And the faster we can acknowledge, God, I am not enough. There there is not enough in me that can do whatever is at task. You are the one. We have peace and hope can come when I put my faith and trust in Him. That's why Jesus boldly declared, I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, mountain move from here to there, and it will be done. Nothing will be impossible for you. These are the words of Jesus, your Emmanuel, God who is with you. My confidence is not at all in my ability, but it's in my willingness to allow his ability to flow through me. And that is true for you as it is for me. And, and that's what faith and trust is. It's not a passing thing. It's not just saying, well, whatever is going to happen is going to happen. It's not just kicking back and being lazy and say, well, I'm just going to take a nap and not do anything today. No, our action is to stand firm, stand strong in confidence and trust in Him. And faith will bring these things into our life. Because God is with me, Emmanuel, God with us, I don't need to fear You and I can stand firm, and finally, you and I can ask freely. Look at verse 10 of chapter 7. God spoke to Ahaz. This time he said, ask for a sign from God. Ask anything. Be extravagant. Ask for the moon, as this paraphrase says. You see, it was God's will to provide a clear sign for his presence to Ahaz and to the people. 
But unfortunately, the king's fears overwhelmed his faith. He missed this divine appointment and it affected everybody around him. He couldn't see God's plan because his heart was so filled with his own plans. That's a truth for somebody here today. You you miss God's plan because you're so preoccupied with your own plans. You're so focused on what you hope to have happen, you never get to see what God has planned for you. And he does something that God's people still have a tendency to do today. He disguises his disobedience with false humility. Look at the scripture. See what it says here in verse 12. But Ahaz says, I'd never do that. I'd never make demands like that on God. You know, that sounds right. It sounds religious. It sounds humble. I can just hear him saying to Isaiah, Isaiah, I could never do that. I can't believe that you're tempting me to do that. You know what the law clearly says, as if Isaiah didn't know the law. Do not put the Lord your God to a test. See, we are good at twisting scripture to defend our own pride. To defend our own disobedience, and that's exactly what Ahaz is doing. How presumptuous of me to ask God for a sign, Ahaz is saying. No, Ahaz, it's not presumptuous for you to ask God for a sign. It's disobedient not to ask. Why? Because God had already commanded him to ask for a sign. You see, Ahaz had already made up his mind what direction he was going to take. He had already reasoned that there's only one answer, and he was not open to hear what God had. He didn't want to hear a sign because he had already decided, this is what I'm going to do. And he missed his divine appointment with Emmanuel, God with him. What does this mean for you and I? Simply, reluctance to ask for God's help is manifestation of pride. Ooh, that's kind of prickly, Pastor. This is Christmas Sunday. Just give me candy canes and good things. I don't want something to push back at me like this. Friend, I care for you enough. We need to embrace this. But when we are reluctant to ask for God's help, it's a manifestation. It's, 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 a, it's a showing of pride that is in our life. And pride and fear will block the faith that brings hope for us. Christ wants you and I to ask freely, but only with a heart that is fully surrendered to his will. When we want what he has more than what we want. Well, what happened to Ahaz? The Bible tells us that God gave this fearful, prideful king a sign anyway. But Ahaz missed the blessing. He missed the promise. And the remainder of his reign over that nation was filled with turmoil and defeat. Why? Because he allowed his fear to overshadow his faith. He allowed his pride to blind the path that God had for him. He missed God's sign when it came. Ahaz missed this appointment with Emmanuel, but God didn't abandon his people. Hundreds of years after Isaiah wrote these words, the angel of the Lord appeared to another young man who was filled with fear about his situation. His name was Joseph. And as I read from Matthew chapter 1, 22 and 23, these words will be familiar to you. And it's quoting the very passage we've been studying in Isaiah 7. Here's what it says. Joseph, don't be afraid. Take Mary as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And Matthew continues. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, now quoting Isaiah in this passage we just read. 
the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. He is the one who can melt away all of your fears today. He is the one whom you can stand firm on and place your trust on. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Satan trembles at his name. He is the strength in your weakness. He is the comfort in your sorrow. He is the hope of your salvation. The angels proclaim loudly to us today, fear not, God is with us. There's nothing more important this Christmas than a divine appointment that you and I have to encounter this Emmanuel, God with us. As our musicians come, and I want to invite a couple friends to come up and help me share, I want you to know that all shall be well. God is with you. I've asked a couple friends to come and share how God has been with them in 2013. This isn't just a proclamation from a sacred text that was from thousands of years ago. This is a truth that has been proving true over and over, century after century, decade after decade, year after year. I want you to listen to the lyrics of this song and to the words of my friends as they declare how God has been with them. <laughs> 